Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May 12th. And our chapter for today is Esther chapter 2. Now, we're going to actually begin with chapter 1 because I introduced the book yesterday and we're staying on track with our chapter assignments. In chapter 1, we are introduced to Xerxes. He is called in the Bible Ahasuerus, and that is his name throughout the book. Xerxes was his Greek name as given by the Greeks during his time and after him. The divine storyline opens up in chapter 1 with Ahasuerus throwing a huge party in Shushan, the palace. Now, Shushan is about 150 miles north of what we would call the Persian Gulf today. It was inland. Now, we know of Shushan already because this is where Nehemiah was the cupbearer. He was in Shushan, the palace, when he heard word from his brother Hanani that all of Jerusalem, the walls were broken down and the city was in ill repair. So we're already familiar with Shushan, so we're not going to spend a lot of time there. I just want you to get the setting of where all of this was taking place. And this was a beautiful place. And it was in highest decor as the book of Esther opens up. When you look at verse 6 and following all of the colors, everything that was going on. It was party time in Shushan. And so the king started drinking. And as he was drinking, even though it was not compulsory, he had taken more than he probably should. And the scripture says that while he had a party going on, verse 9, Queen Vashti was having a women's event in a nearby palace. And so the scripture says in verse 10, on the seventh day, this is seven days of partying. I mean, they were party hardy. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, what that means was he was high as a kite. He commanded Mehuman, and all of his eunuchs who served in his presence to bring Queen Vashti before the king wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. Now, this is the inspired word of God. This woman was beautiful, and now here is a man filled with wine. He's proud. He wants to show off his queen, so he put Puts the royal crown, no telling what that looked like, and all of her royal robes on. She must have been absolutely stunning. 
And uh, Queen Vashti was not high as a kite. She was not drinking, evidently. And she wanted no part of being paraded in front of all these dignitaries. But now, this is not the way you are to handle something with the king of Persia, a man as powerful as King Hashuaris. And so, it says, the queen refused to come at the king's command, and therefore the king was furious, and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for this was the king's manner toward all who knew law and justice, the closest to him, and he named all of them. He said, now, what shall we do to Queen Vashti according to the law? Because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus brought to her by the eunuchs. And so he said, what should I do? Now, I want you to just take note of this all the way through the word of God that your advisors and all of these kings, including King David, all of the kings, including Solomon's son Rehoboam, had advisors, some good and some bad. The advisors that were around these kings would either make them or break them. It happened. It's always been this way. You have heard me say on previous podcasts, I believe it and will to the day I die. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You tell me who you're hanging with and I'll tell you how you're going to be behaving in the future. Whomever is giving you counsel, that is the person that ultimately is going to control the throne, control your life, control your destiny. Because, you see, you wouldn't be hanging around with them unless you trusted them. And the Bible says in Psalm chapter 1 that if we walk in a certain way and we gain counsel from a certain person, that it won't be long till we'll be standing and we'll be talking with them and conversing with them and taking more counsel. And if that continues, it won't be long till not only have you stopped making progress and walking and start standing, but now you're going to sit and you're going to be scornful and sitting in the chair of the scornful, just like those that you chose to be your counselors and your advisors. The word of God is our only hope because the word of God gives us balance, stability, peace, wholeness. Otherwise, we get everything messed up. It's all crosswise and sideways because, you see, anything that does not have as its basis the truth of God, the truth of God's Word, then it's going to lead us astray. And so here was the king going to his advisors and said, what should I do instead of doing what he knew in his heart to do? and not listening to his own emotion, but doing the right thing by his wife, here's what these advisors said. Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also the princes and all the people who are in the provinces. Now, the scripture tells us that he ruled, that is, Ahasuerus ruled from India to Ethiopia. He had a vast kingdom. 
He had a lot of influence. He had 120 provinces that he ruled over. And so these counselors said, this is going to be bad news. Now, we're going to have rebellion, King, because Queen Vashti is a very beautiful, powerful woman, and the women are looking to her. As a matter of fact, we brought her from a women's event over here. They're having a very successful women's meeting over here, and it's ladies' night out. It's queen for a day, all rolled up into one, and all of these women, when they heard that the king had summoned her and she didn't want to leave the party, they all saw this, and it says, for the queen's behavior, this is verse 17, for the queen's behavior, this is what these advisors said, the queen's behavior will become known to all women, so they will despise their husbands in their eyes. What a bunch of weak, sniveling men. So insecure, so afraid that they can't handle their own wives and they can't have any kind of relationship with their own wives. And so they're panicking now and saying, oh, King, if you allow this to happen, not only will it hurt you, it'll hurt all of us because now our wives are going to say, well, the king didn't do anything. And Vashti, she's the one that calls the shots in that family. And when they report, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought in before him, and she did not come this very day. The noble ladies of Persia and media will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of the behavior of the queen. Thus, there will be excessive contempt and wrath. King, I'm telling you, you got to do something. This is going to get out, and if this gets out, it's going to ruin us all. We won't be the lords of our houses anymore. And so if it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him, and let it be recorded in the law of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered. You see, when a command went out from the king, the king couldn't even alter itself. Now, we'll see this later in the book of Esther, but the king made a decree later in the book of Esther that you'll hear about that's very prominent. And he had to make another decree because he could not break the law of the Medes and the Persians. That was the law. And so they made a decree that Vashti could never come back before the king again, that he should find a new queen, that they would make a search and help him out and in the future. And no doubt they cut a deal. So they said, after you do this, all wives, this is verse 20, all wives will honor their husbands, both small and great. Isn't it fascinating what people think that their actions will do when indeed it accomplishes something totally different? Let me tell you a story about when I was a boy. We used to go every Sunday to my grandma Crisp's home. Now, Crisp's is hard to say. So we just called it Grandma Chris, and we would go to Grandma Chris's house, and my dad had a large family and a lot of boys, and everybody gathered together. They were all these cousins, and so Grandma Chris would make dinner, what we call dinner. It was lunch. Nobody went to church. We were all heathen, and we all gathered together. They would gather in before noon, and then they would eat, and here's the way that they ate. Here was the pecking order. The men would all eat first. Yes, they got all the chicken breast and pulley bones and all the good stuff. Then the women ate. And then lastly, the kids would eat. There wasn't anything left of the chicken but the back and the neck, if that. 
There weren't any good parts left in any of the chickens that had been cut up and fried that day. If there were chicken and dumplings, they were just dumplings. There wasn't any chicken left. There would maybe be a few pinto beans swimming around in a big bowl of soup. It was slim pickings. And I used to get so aggravated because there were these grown men they were going to eat. Then the women were going to eat and the kids would eat last. And that's just the opposite of what my wife and I would do. We'd make sure our children were fed. I'd make sure my wife got something to eat and then I would eat last. But it was just the opposite. And I said to my dad one day, I said, Daddy, why was it that you men always ate? And there was another gentleman there, and their family had had the same practice. And uh, he looked over at Daddy, and Daddy looked back at him and said, Well, you know, son, that's what Daddy said. Well, you know, son, that's the way we taught respect. You see, you'd learn to respect your elders. I said, Daddy... That didn't make me respect you. That made me resent you. I couldn't believe the grown men would eat food before they would see their own children was. That didn't bring respect about. And my dad looked at me to his credit and said, you know, son, you're right. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. And you know he was right. They should have been. But what I'm saying is sometimes in our customs and our way of doing things as weird and crazy as they are, We think that we're going to bring about some kind of respect factor. We think one episode is going to lead to a certain outcome, and it doesn't always work like that. And I can tell you, as you read the story of Esther, this didn't turn out just right, but isn't it amazing that God takes many times Bad decisions by rulers, by kings, by presidents, by parliaments, by congresses. And he turns around and uses those for good. You know why? That's his business. That's what he does. God is in the business of taking bad things, what people mean for bad and evil, and turning them for good. Haven't we already seen that throughout the Word of God? Well, the Bible's replete with story after story. What about Joseph? What his brothers meant for evil, God turned into good. And after all, isn't that what the Bible teaches? Romans chapter 8, verse 28, 29. For we know that God works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called on purpose, to those who are called with purpose, to those who love God. You see, God is in the business of that, and he can take even the most dire straits in your life and mine and use them for God's glory. That's what he did. Queen Vashti's out, and we're about to meet Hadassah, the Jewish girl from the land of Israel. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.